Welcome to the Heights Sermon Series Podcast, where each week you'll hear a new message that'll help you with your life shaped by the Word. Yeah, did you hear that last line? Prayer is the greatest human privilege that we have. Let's take advantage of that privilege right now. Let's pray. Oh, Father, we just come before you in a, in a season of prayer here at the Heights. And Lord, my prayer is that this prayer right now is joining hundreds, thousands of other prayers throughout this room with all of those of us engaged online. And Lord, we just worship you that you can hear every one of these, treat every one of these with importance and with an individual understanding. We worship you, God, the eternal one, the holy one, the righteous one, the great I am. We worship you because you have all authority and power, all wisdom and knowledge. You are everywhere present. We worship you because you are kind and you are patient and you are so very good to us. God, we thank you for the opportunity to pray, the opportunity to talk to you. God, we thank you for our church. Thank you for the Bible. God, thank you for your love and your forgiveness. Oh, Lord, would you cleanse our heart of sin? Maybe, may we be mindful each of the specific sins we need to confess, we need to repent of. And thank you for the joy and the ability to rest in your love and forgiveness as we confess those. Lord, there's so much on our heart. There's so many things to pray about. Lord, COVID continues. God, would you bring an end to this? Would you bring an end to it soon? We don't, want to con- we don't want to stop calling out for this disease to come to an end. Father, I think of so many families, many COVID, uh, other issues also, Lord. I think of so many just here in our church family, aching, hurting, with different health issues going on, Lord. Father, I call out to you, Greg and Debbie. Lord, I I lift up to you uh, the Matthews family. Lord, I lift up to you Mark and Mark and Rebecca. Lord, I lift up to you Lauren. I lift up to you Joe and Sandy, Kenny and Linda, Mary and Sheila. So many more, Lord, I pray that you're Spirit would move into their lives to bring healing, to bring strength and rest and encouragement, to bring hope and direction. Lord, we pray that this very moment they each know how much you love them and care for them, that you see where they are and what they're carrying right now. Lord, I I lift up to you our Midlothian campus as they transition here today and next week. We're so grateful for eight incredible years of what that campus has been doing and what you've been doing through it, Father. And now there's a transition. May we continue to follow your leadership in this. And there's a sense of hope and excitement. Lord, we lift up to you this 21 days of prayer, this prayer series, and all that we're doing right now. God, would you hear our prayers? 
And Lord, we will pray about such a wide range of things throughout our church. Lord, my, my one prayer is that in all of these various things, I pray that for the rest of 2022, every single one of us will be talking about what you did in January. Hear our prayers. It's in the name of Jesus Christ that we pray this. Amen. Amen. Well, we are talking about prayer here in the new year. Gosh, can you believe we're already a full week? A full week has passed. So it's not new. Now we're just in 2022. It's just where we are. It's where we're living. But still with that sense of newness, the beginning of something that often is a kind of a time of evaluating. We're kind of thinking about things we wish would change, things we want to be different. Maybe there's some hopes and desires. Uh, Maybe there's some places we just really need to make a decision. We need God's direction. What are you praying for right now at the start of the year? What are you praying for yourself, for your family, your church? Are you praying for your church? Oh, I hope so. Please, please, please put us on your list. Your nation, anybody praying for the nation right now? What are you praying for? Hey, do you, when you're praying for these things, do you ever wonder if you're praying the right thing? I'm, I'm guessing most of us at once or, once or twice every now and then have wondered, am I asking for the right thing? Am I saying the right thing? You know, I think there's value in taking inventory of what I'm praying about. Looking and, you know, hey, what have I been praying about for the last week, the last month? You know, our, our prayers are more than just a, you know, a grocery list of needs and wants, man, they represent our priorities. They represent kind of our view of ourselves and people around us, our view of God. It can represent our kind of our view of the world. There's a lot going on in prayer. You know, I think you can even look at your prayers, this is a big thought, and measure how much you're becoming like God. Would your prayers over the last week point to, represent how much like God you're becoming. That's a big thought, isn't it? Well, I'm kind of moving away from, I'm just heading down a wrong road. Not a wrong road, just a different road. I want to get back to kind of where we are and, and, and what we're talking about right now. But folks, here's the good news. Whatever area of prayer or direction of prayer we're taking, God wants you to see your prayers answered. He wants you to be able to look at the prayers in your life and be talking with everybody you know, this was answered, this was answered, this was answered, that that's a regular part of our conversations, God answering our prayers. Now, I've said a couple times here leading up to today that this is a little bit of a different prayer series. I'm not 100% sure why I'm saying that. I guess it maybe it just, it feels different to me, kind of the approach that I'm taking. We're not talking so much about why we pray. And that's really important. As a matter of fact, what I am going to be talking about is what we pray. But I've stood in this pulpit before and said that sometimes I don't think it matters what comes out in your prayers. It's that you're praying. And that's about why. That, that, that's all a why issue there. But that's not what we're looking at. <laughs> we're not looking at how to pray. And boy, is that important. Just simply because probably more than half of us would say, you know, I'm not entirely confident that I know what I'm doing. I, I'm, I'm not entirely confident that I've, I've got the right approach to this. And so we could certainly talk about how, but we're not. 
No, we're, we're pressing right past why and how and just going straight to what. What to say. What to pray for yourself, for your family, for your church, for your nation. Now, my guess is that as we're looking at what, they'll, how and why will kind of bubble up to the top there, I think, a couple of places. And we'll go, oh, that's how or that's why in looking at what we are to pray. So we're going to spend five weeks looking at what would God pray, today being the first of those Sundays. And while we're doing that, we've got two other places to grab a hold of prayer. One is our 21 days of prayer. This started this past Sunday, or excuse me, this past Thursday, and I'm guessing most of you didn't know that, (laughs) okay? We did start a a 21 days of prayer Thursday, the 6th, but the good news is at the top of the page, it not only has the date, it just has day 1, day 2, day 3, so you can start today. If Tuesday's great for you, start Tuesday. I want to encourage you, though. I I want to plead with you. That every single one of us here in the room, watching online, that you would join us in this 21 days of prayer. I, I think we have a few hard copies left. Uh, again, we're running, we're, we're putting them out pretty quickly and they're getting gobbled up. But you can get it online. You can download it. And uh, folks, listen, I 100% believe some very profound and wonderful things can happen in your life if you'll spend 21 days in this. It, it, the first couple of pages kind of talks to you about fasting and how you can kind of create your own way of doing that, when and how, if, if you want to include that in these 21 days. And then there's each day kind of a devotion and a focus for prayer. It, it will be of profound goodness for your life. That's not why I'm asking. Because there's also a profound goodness that will happen when every one of us as a family, and we don't think about that a lot. We don't, you know, when we're out there on Tuesday making a decision, when we're Thursday dealing with a problem, we don't think a lot about how I'm a part of a family. And that affects everything. We're a, we're a spiritual family. And when we all together are reading the same passages praying the same things, thinking on the same things. You see, now something is going to rise up from just happening profound in your life into all of our lives. My opportunity to have this happen is based on you getting involved in this. And your opportunity to have this happen is based on the person behind you and in front of you and next to you getting involved in this. Man, let's all do this together. Because does your life have something to lose if you do this? Man, let's, let's just see. And, and then there's one more event at, at the end, and it may not be the end of your 21 days if you start today or tomorrow, but January 26th, that's a Wednesday night. And that's not a single event. That's actually starting an event. We're going to have a prayer and praise service once quarterly, and that'll be the first one. And so again, uh, that, that'll be Wednesday in here. Please mark that on your calendar. I want to ask every single person in our church to be here that night. I want to ask everybody in our church to do the 21 days. I want to ask everybody in the church to, to, to join in this series and working on what we're learning. And, and let's just see, folks, what God does in prayer. Let's see what his people, when they're united and they're praising and thanking and repenting and calling out to God. You know, as I prayed just a moment ago, what I'm praying for this and, and the, the hundreds of thousands of different prayers that will be 
go up to heaven during this is that you and I will be talking about it for the rest of the year. That our entire 2022 is going to be built and shaped by what we're praying about here in January. So I, I, please, please join me. Don't leave me all alone in this. And I know you're not. There's already a lot of people doing this. So wherever you are in the 21, you've already started. You started yesterday. You're starting today, tomorrow. Jump, jump on board with this. Check this out uh, on, online. So that just leads us to, so what are, what are we praying for? Well, that's what this series is about. What would God pray? Now let me just destroy my title real quickly. God doesn't pray. God has no need to pray. There's no one above him. There's nobody beside him. There's nobody below him that he is dependent upon, that he is in need of to respond, to remove, to to give counsel, to give direction. God's not dependent upon anyone or anything. God doesn't need to pray. God has no needs. I use that phrase, what would God pray, just to get us thinking about, hey, what is God doing? What, are, what is God's will? What are God's desires so that we're shaping our prayers around what God is doing? And so I've, I'm using two verses to kind of build this series, what we're doing and, and where we're going with it. It's two verses that join a hundred just like it. It's two verses that say almost the identical thing. One is in the Old Testament. One is in the New Testament. Let's look and see what those are. Psalm 37, verse 4. Delight yourself in the Lord. Now, folks, you know what? If we were just to stop right here and say, hey, what, what to pray? Pray you delight in the Lord. Don't pray anything else, and life's going to go well. God, I pray you are the great delight in my life. God, I prayed about 12 things today. I pray I want you more than the answer to those 12 things. As a matter of fact, if getting the answer to those 12 things will somehow lessen my holding on to you, my desire for you, then don't answer my prayers. May I want you more than I want any answer. May I want you more than I want anything fixed. May you be my great delight. God, may I delight in what you delight. May I get excited about what you get excited. May may, may my joy be in going the direction that you find joy in going. Delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. Very much the same thing, 1 John 5. And this is the confidence. Man, don't you want to be able to use the word confidence? When you talk about a relationship with the Almighty, a relationship with the living God, that you could use the word, I'm confident in that. I'm confident in my prayer. I'm confident in my conversation, my dialogue, my relationship with that. Wouldn't you love to be able to use the word confidence? Because that's the word God wants you to use. That's the word Jesus created an opportunity for you to have confidence when you're relating with, confidence when you're talking to him. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Now, folks, I don't use the word easy a lot with prayer, but how easy is this? I just need to want what God wants. I just need to pray for what God prayers would pray. And I get all my prayers answered. That seems pretty simple. What a deal. Wait a minute. Wait, wait a minute. Is that a deal? Would you feel like you'd gotten a deal if I said, hey, I'll give you anything you want as long as it's what I want. 
Now, let me tell I'm all for what God wants, y'all. Yeah, hey, God, I'm all for you getting what you want. But, but God, what about me? What, what, about, what about what I want? I'm sure what you want is good, but what about what I want? You know, folks, God's not against what you want. He just can't make a promise that he would fulfill everything you want. So he says, hey, here's how you get what you want. Let's shape it around what I want. And I think a lot of times when we look at verses like this or we look at this idea, at least I have when I've been in Bible studies or listening to someone preach, this is where we tell a story of something I wanted and I didn't get it. And boy, down the road, I realized, oh, wow, that was really a good thing. I didn't get that job or I didn't get that car or I didn't make the team. Oh, I, it seemed like at the moment that would be everything. But now I, I have this new knowledge and I understand Whoo, thank you that I didn't get that. Or maybe I got something I wanted and it ruined me. You ever wanted something that really had negative impacts on your life or your family? And and so we tell those kinds of stories and then we say, boy, praise God, he doesn't always give us what we want, right? Well, the only problem with that way of illustrating these verses is that it implies that you and I only want the wrong thing. That you and I only want stuff that's going to be bad in our lives. We only want stuff that later on we're going to wish we hadn't gotten or be glad that we didn't get. And that's not what God is teaching right here. God is not teaching that you only want bad things. What God is showing us here is on my best day, there are deficiencies in my prayers. When I am acting with all the godliness that I can, all the altruism that I can, when I'm as being as good as I can get in prayer, there's still deficiencies in me shaping and forming that request. And God has no deficiencies. I don't want God promising to answer a request that has deficiencies. I want God bringing an answer that has no deficiencies. You say, what, what, time out, what are you talking about deficiencies? What are are my deficiencies in my prayers? Well, you know, one would just be our incredible lack of knowledge. Now, I have never once offered a prayer to God where I thought, now, Lord, I'm bringing this, and I really don't know what I'm talking about. No, usually I'm a little bit more the other direction. Lord, I've got some good insight on this. I think you want to hear this. I think you probably want to... Get my angle on this, Lord. No, I don't act like that. But when I pray, when I say, dear Lord, would you please guide? Would you please protect? Would you please provide? I mean, I feel like I, I know what I need to know to ask this. I don't, I don't think any, I wouldn't know any reason not to. But you know, a lot of our prayers are coming from two places, the past or the future. We're looking back to yesterday, last week, last year, something's broken and I'd like it fixed. Or we're looking ahead to the year and there's some things I want to be different or some help that I want. I just want a new future. But the problem is when I look back, I misinterpret, I misunderstand, and there's just some things I don't know. I never acknowledge that I don't know because I know everything. But there are some things I missed yesterday. There are some things I don't understand about that. When I look to tomorrow, I know even less about tomorrow than I do yesterday. I don't think I do, but, but I do. And so I'm shaping an idea. I'm shaping a request. And there's a lot of missing pieces. When God shapes an idea and a request, there's nothing missing. 
You know, when I shape a request, I don't always know what God is doing in that brokenness, in that need, in that opportunity. I I don't always recognize what he's doing in my life. I don't recognize what he's doing in somebody else's life. And, you know, here I'm praying for something. Really what I'm saying is, God, I want to end what you're doing because I want this. (laughs) Maybe we ought to be praying, hey, Lord, when you're finished... And you've accomplished everything you need in my life. Hey, let me ask you a question. Could God allow a season of discomfort for you because of what he's doing in somebody else's life? And maybe you walking through that is what they need to see, how you hold on to God, how you trust in God. Could, Could God do that? You know, if I'm sitting in church and just we're talking theoretically, yes, praise the Lord, go God. In real life, nope. You can use my wife. She's great, Lord. <laughs> you can make, make her uncomfortable. She'll be great with that. You know, a lot of times I don't know how what I'm praying for will impact my life. That's not necessarily a negative or a positive statement. I'm asking for something. I want something. I, what, what could possibly be bad about I'm wanting something to be better, to be fixed, but I don't actually understand the impact of that in my life or in somebody else's life. You know, again, folks, I, I never think about what I don't know when I go to pray. I think about what I do know, what I'm feeling, and what I want. But will you stop and think about this from a couple angles, and you realize, oh, oh my gosh, I don't actually know anything when I go talk to God. Why would God want to hear this foolishness? Isn't he kind? What, do you know he never sends you away to say, hey, when you actually understand what you're talking about, then come back. Not once. Not a single place. It's it's amazing what a kind and generous and patient and loving father. You and I are not like that with people, not at all. I mean, we get tired of people asking dumb things. We get tired of people asking things they don't know what they're talking about. We get tired of people's selfishness. We get tired of it. Seriously, back again. God never gets tired of that. He loves to hear you talk. Not only is he not bothered by our lack of information, he says, bring it. Anything, everything, no limits. You know, there's so many things in your life you wouldn't talk to God about because you think, you can't talk to God about that. I don't know where you got that idea. God says, I want to talk to you about anything and everything you want to talk about. No, 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 No limits at all. So here I'm working with all these deficiencies. God's not working with any deficiencies. Clearly, I don't want God making any promises about my request. I want his promise to be about what he would request and what he would do. Why do you and I want to get to the place where we want what God wants? Now, that doesn't mean I'm not still praying that God would fix my car, fix my kid, Give my kid an A on that test. Help my kid do well in the big game. Help me in this. Doesn't mean I'm not still praying for those things. But I'm, I'm, I'm putting them out there and then saying, now, God, I'm offering the request as I know it at the moment. But I really want to build and shape it around what you would pray this. What you want to do here. Why would we want that? Sounds like a lot of work. Well, let's think about that for a moment. I got two verses. I know I already said I had two verses, and I got two more. Two verses about why we want to want what God wants. Did you get that? 
Okay, Psalm 145, verse 8 to 9. The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. And no doubt with all of that, that God is like, the next line, the Lord is good to all. Now, there's nothing in that verse about prayer, is there? But everything in that verse is about the one we pray to. The one who's building a will. The one who's building desires. The one who's building what we delight in. What, what is he like? Well, he's gracious and he's merciful. Man, these are two great friends that work together in our lives. God shows grace and mercy at the exact same time, perfectly, abundantly. What is grace? Grace is God giving you and me, blessing you and me with things we don't deserve. And I'm guessing a lot of us, you know, we have those moments where we just look around and go, gosh, God's done so much. I don't deserve this. You could do quite the opposite. And that's God's grace. God's grace, whether we're acknowledging it or not, whether we're recognizing it or not, God's grace is always moving and working in our lives. God's mercy is kind of the same thing in the other direction. God's mercy is him holding back what we do deserve, holding back the consequences of our actions, the, 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 the punishment that should come from our sins. I tell you what, it, You can have experiences with either one of these. I find them both to be pretty overwhelming. When you stop and realize what could have happened, what could be, when I carried on that attitude for so long, when I continued in that course of action for that season, when I did that, you know, God could have allowed this to happen. God could, that would be a natural and right consequence for my behavior, and I didn't get that. See, that's something I think we don't, we're not always good at acknowledging God's mercy in our lives, what he holds back, even when he's being just and righteous. So God's got grace and mercy. Now, when you're building a request, you're working grace and mercy in the request too also, aren't you? You're going, uh, what? I didn't even know I was, what? Grace and mercy? <laughs> See, we don't, we don't, I just know what I want. But when God is building an answer to the wants, he's working both grace and mercy perfectly. God is also slow to anger. Let's take that word anger and let's zoom out and just take it up to what is anger. It's an emotion. God is slow to emotion. I didn't say God is emotionless. God experiences the full range of emotions, but God experiences them without sin. God experiences them in perfection. God experiences them with balance. There are people not very good with Scripture, not loving of God, not believing in God in the Scripture, who will go to certain phrases and say, oh, look, this is a contradiction. Oh, oh, look, look, this is a bad thing that God is doing. Like when it says God is jealous or God is angry. But the reason we don't understand those verses is because every time I've seen a jealous person, they're acting like an idiot. You know, we see an angry person and we tend to think of somebody in our lives that really didn't handle anger well. And all of a sudden, I'm trying to imagine God being jealous. I'm imagining God being angry. Folks, God can be angry and there's no element of sin at all. 
He does anger in perfection. He does jealousy in perfection without any sin. So when it says God's slow to anger, okay, he, he will show anger, but he's slow to it. How many of your and my prayer requests, the answer is a lot, how many of our, our requests, our prayers are based on a runaway emotion? A runaway fear, a runaway anxiety, worry, a runaway anger, and in that emotion of running away with me, I'm, I'm building, God, I need you to do this. How could you not do this? You see my, ah, it's, it's, I'm not slow to these emotions. Wham, I'm on it, and it's running away with me. And God doesn't say, hey, go away till you get that under control. Hey, listen, when my emotion's running away with me, that is exactly when I need to go and pray. But I'd like to know that the one I'm praying to is also not running crazy with emotion. Because guess what? My best decisions, my best insights, my best answers, rarely if ever, come out of a runaway emotion. So I, I, I really need to know that when I'm talking to God, anger's not running away with him. Or any other emotion. He's slow to anger. He's abounding in steadfast love. The love that doesn't quit, it just continually run over, runs over in the bucket. It just, it never gets empty. It's just always running over that love that does not quit. God does not do anything that is not loving. When we say God is loving, do you realize how different that is from saying you and I are loving? I mean, some of us are, right? Okay, there's three of us in here that are loving. So we'll start a series on love after this, okay? Since none of y'all are, I'll use myself as an example. I'm a very loving person. And you know, if you heard somebody say, boy, that, that, our pastor, he's a really loving guy. You'd agree, first of all. But none of you would think that what it means when we say Randy is loving that he bats a thousand every second of the day at being loving. That every word, every act in his life just is just coming right out of love. You wouldn't, you wouldn't, th- you'd probably assume. I, I, I told you that I didn't always know what understood what was going on yesterday, but Mike Connor does. <laughs> Mike Con- <laughs> how did you know my battery was going out? I'd like to understand how that worked. Anyway, um, so where, where was I? Okay, so God's not acting in any way that's not, oh, I'm loving, right? But I don't love perfectly, not every day and not with every person. But the way you and I might describe each other as loving, that's not the case with God. God is always loving. I said in the last service, God cannot. And somebody said, maybe it would sound better to say will not. And I agreed with them. Because we don't talk about what God cannot do, right? God can, all things are possible with God. But God will not act in any way contradictory to his own character. That means God has never in any single life done something unloving, which is a really, boy, that's a thought. We're not talking about the attributes of God, but that's a thought to unwrap. 
How many of us have heard the question, if God was loving, why would he? And see, in our mind, I've got an idea. If, if, if God's showing love, if God's being love, then he wouldn't have allowed that. He would have done this. He would have shown up there. We can't always connect the dots. We can't always see it. But God assures us, I've never moved, spoken, acted in a way that is not loving in what I do. And that's why that verse can go on to say, the Lord is good to all. God is always moving in a way that is good in every request. When you pray, does everybody win? You know, my, my first thought is that, well, yeah, of course, I'm praying for myself. I'm praying for others. Everybody wins, right? Well, there was all those times I prayed that in the race, my boys would win. That kind of implies that I'm praying that everybody else in the race would lose. I don't care. (laughs) I don't care about the other people in the race. I don't care about their parents, and I don't care about them losing. That's their job. My job is pray for my own kid, and I want my kid to win. Or, hey, something a lot of us is praying for. Man, Lord, I need this job. I need this job. I need this job. God, give me that job. It's a good prayer, right? So you're also praying, and Lord, anybody else applying for the job, make sure they don't get it. Make sure the interviewer sees what an awful person they really are. No, that's not, but we have prayers. Usually I'm the winner or somebody I want around me to win, and we're praying for others to lose. You say, no, wait a minute. You're saying that God can make a way that everybody wins and everybody gets the job? No, I'm saying that God can make my kid win, (laughs) and he's being just as good when the other kid loses because there's something God is doing in their lives. And he can be good when he gives me the job, but he's being just as good in the one who says, we're not hiring you right now, and vice versa when he's doing that in my life. I have no idea how that happens, but that's because I don't understand the information like God understands the information. He's only going to move and work in a way that is good. Again, folks, what we're doing here is I wouldn't call it a deep dive. I'd call it a very quick dive into the shallow wind of God's attributes and character. I mean, I mean we, we, we could spend months studying the attributes of God, the character of God, which is what we need to do when we choose to trust him, obey him, and follow him. We need to understand what he's like. And the reason that you and I would want what he wants and actually work at taking anything I want and yielding it entirely to what he wants is because of his character. That's what we're trusting in. That's what we're depending on. One more verse, and this is something we already talked about, so this will be short, but it's back to the knowledge. I just want to take a verse about God's knowledge and make it personal to just you. Not just a statement that God knows everything or God knows all things, but personal Just to you. Psalm 139, verse 16. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. God saw me before I was even being knit and put together in my mother's womb. Another verse in Psalm 139 says, In your book, I don't know what book it is, but it's out there. In your book were written. Written what? Every one of them. Every what? My days. All the days formed for me were written in your book. When as yet there was none of them. A very poetic way of saying God knows every page of my story, every day of my story before the first one started. 
and every day is the day it is for perfection. That's not a fatalistic statement that, that you and I just wake up and live a, a, a predetermined step, a predetermined life. We're not actually making any choice. That's not what it's saying at all. It's saying God with loving knowledge knows every single page of my story. Now, think about it, folks, again, and this is what I was saying earlier. When I build a request, something's not what I want to be. It's based on something that happened yesterday or something that I'd like to see happen tomorrow. But I, I don't understand. You know, as a matter of fact, the older I get, when I look back into my story, I've lost some pages. I can't even find those pages anymore. <laughs> that means I've lost anything I learned or understood. There's pages missing. Gosh, I looked just to yesterday's page. I don't understand. Why did that happen? And there's all kinds of things you and I look at yesterday and the way we interacted with somebody. or that I have no idea what's going on in their life that they would interact like that. You know, so there's all kinds of things. I look back at yesterday. I misunderstand information. I don't know some information. I misinterpret information. But I'm building a request on all this from yesterday's story or this past week's story. And I know even less about tomorrow. It's amazing, and I have to use this word because the Bible uses this word, the arrogance at with, with which we look at tomorrow. You know, we're so confident. I know exactly what's happening tomorrow. I know what's happening this week. And here's why we have that arrogance. Because... I've got a calendar for tomorrow. I've got a calendar for this week. And based on past history, I can count on about 90, 95% of that happening just as I planned. So, of course, I'm going to say, oh, I'm doing this tomorrow. Oh, I'm doing this this week. I got a lot of confidence with that. But most of us have had the experience of going into Monday. I know what I'm doing today. And by 917, whoops, we've got something that's going to change the whole day. Some of us had an experience where you come across an event at 917 and it, it changes the whole week. And I hope not a lot of us, but I know a lot of us have. You've had that 917 on Tuesday that changed the rest of your life. You never thought the same again. You never looked the same again. What you did, all of it changed because of an event you walked into and had no idea that it was coming. See, I know nothing about what Monday holds. Yes, I've got a calendar. I've got a smartphone. I'm sure God's impressed. I know nothing about tomorrow. I know less about the next day, and let's not even talk about 2027. But God knows every page of my story. When he's looking at how today's page, yesterday's page, tomorrow's page, when he, when he looks at how that's making me feel, when he looks at the ideas that I'm getting from that, when he looks at the requests that are coming, he understands why I'm thinking and saying what I do, but he also has a perfect understanding of every page of my story. And here's the crazy thing. He can see every page of my story at the exact same moment perfectly. And in that... He responds to me. Let me ask you a question. Do you want God promising you he'll answer prayers from your understanding? Or do you want him making promises he'll answer prayers from his understanding? You know, you start thinking through some of this and think, you know, I, th I think all I want is what God wants. 
Now the key is just to know what does God want. I'm glad you want to know. Come back next week. Next week, we're going to start with family next week. What would God pray for my family? And I've got a thought. I'll I'll give you a little little run ahead to next week. Have you ever wondered if your kid didn't have a math test or a big game and your mate didn't have a big meeting tomorrow, what would you pray about? Have, Have you ever noticed how we can get reduced to praying for such a very few things? And that even if my kid gets an A and we win the big game and everything goes well in the meeting tomorrow, I can live a life far from God, far from his will, far from his blessing, far from happiness and peace. It's amazing the volume of things we pray about that have completely answered have absolutely very little impact on a person's strength and well-being and peace and happiness. That's what we should say, God, are there some other things I should be praying for? We're going to find out next week. Let's pray. Father, thank you for you being such a generous, patient, and kind listener. Thank you for being so better than me (laughs) and so much not like me and how I treat people that want to be listened to. God, you don't tell me to get my emotions right. You don't tell me to come back when I understand. Your word actually communicates that you enjoy listening to me on anything and everything. Lord, with such a privilege... And such an opportunity. I do want to be as good as I can with this thing called prayer. I do want to shape. I want to shape things in my life around who and what you are. Who and what you're doing. Lord, I pray you would bless this series. Bless the 21 days of prayer. Bless bless the, the prayer event on January 26th to to accomplish this in my life and our lives. Make us a people of prayer so that we enjoy the people of privilege that we are. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.